The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows. You're fire! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strong. There's a few guys in sports media that you feel like if you saw at a bar, you would just be able to chop it up and they wouldn't look at you any different. And that's who we have on for you today. The Ringer's John Jastrzemski is going to join us in just a few seconds here. He's the host of New York, New York on The Ringer and Spotify. He also does TV appearances for SNY. If you have listened in the New York area, you probably know who John Jastrzemski is. He is a tremendous talent and he joins us to talk a little bit about his start, how a contest pretty much got his foot in the door at WFAN in New York. We talk a little bit about the insecurities at 22, 23 years old, hosting a show, whether you're hosting overnight, wherever it may be, that is a big step, especially at the fan. And a little bit about Mike Francesa, uh, SMY, his overnights, how he got recruited to go to the ringer, leaving WFAN. He gives a little bit of broadcast advice as well. And as always, I have to mention to rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We've gotten some really good reviews that I've read. We all appreciate those. So without further ado, here is John Jasremski. Let's first start here. You got a unique story. You won this 2011 WFAN Fantasy Phantom Contest. That was kind of your foot in the door. Walk us through how JJ got his foot in the door at the fan. All right, I'm glad that you start with the start of my career. But I think, Steve, before we even get into the contest, please, you got to put in a perspective the journey for a lot of young broadcasters out there. So I went to Syracuse. I'm rocking my out of the orange shirt right now as we speak. And I thought I was set up. I did a ton of college radio there. I'm at the six overtime game doing a show. We're at the NCAA tournament. We're doing Saturday shows. We're doing shows before football Sunday. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like out of college, I was ready to boom, go and get a job immediately. You find out when you are 21, 22 years old, The job market and the job market, Steve, for me was like post 2008 recession. So, you know, we're kind of in similar economic times here in 2022. I graduated right during COVID. Bro, COVID 2008 was a financial crisis. Bad news bears, basically, long story short, if you're looking to get a job of any sort, if you're looking to get into broadcasting. So those first six to eight months out of college, dude, were miserable. December of that year, I knew those student loans were coming. I had to take a job at the NBA store and fold shirts, which sucked. Don't get me wrong. It was miserable. So I finally get a part-time job. I'm writing down the Jersey Shore. I'm covering high school sports. It was great, man. I mean, listen, I was making no money, but I'm down to shore. I'm talking to high school kids, but I needed the itch of getting back on the mic and getting back into broadcasting. So why do I bring all of this up? First year, I went out for the Fantasy Phenom Contest. I had no idea what to expect. It was crazy. I didn't end up winning. I'm like, all right, no big deal. You know, it's in the line. What did you get the first time? I made it out of the malls and then the semifinals for whatever the reason I didn't, I, I didn't get the call. So, so hold on. So what is this like though? So you go, where are you going? And you're all right, performing. So we went to, okay. I'll get, I'll give you some background. Shopping mall, <laughs> thousands of people. Oh, it's okay. and churn off for there. They're probably like, this is the dumbest thing ever. All right. And then they cut it down to 50. 
Then they did it at like a Buffalo Wild Wings my first year. And to be honest with you, they didn't really set me up with good questions, but whatever. You know, you only sure. can answer what you're going to answer. I said, the second year, do I go out for it? I said, yeah, what do I have to lose? I go, well, what's the worst that happens? My main goal, Steve, I wanted to get down to Bore because I said, look, this is an hour audition with Mike. Yep. This is on television. This is on radio. Um, at the very least, this is going to be a tape for me moving forward. Hopefully it will help me, if it's not an FAN, get me work elsewhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're down there at Bore. And the legend Mike Frances is doing his show. So it's me and four other finalists. And five o'clock, I'm feeling great, dude. I'm like, I got this shit, dude. I got it. I got it. I got it. I get up there. And I look at it the crowd. And they're all like, dude, couple 600, 700 people, maybe 1,000 people. I'm like, oh, boy. We got a <laughs> lot of people in the audience right now. Yeah. Forget about the people listening and watching. There are a lot of people in the audience that are Mike, you know, like he's Don Corleone. Hey, kid, how you doing? You know, like classic yep. Mike. And then I went. I did two minutes, dude. I ripped AJ Burnett. I thought I knocked it out of the park. You'll probably find a video somewhere on YouTube. It might still be up. I read it. I read it in an article. That was the, the first part of your, your segment that people loved. Yeah, and... Basically, after I went, the general consensus from the judges and from Twitter was, you're going to win this thing. And I'm like, yeah. all right, sweet. So I knew at the very least, once I did win, this is a life-changing opportunity, and I'm going to make the most of whatever I have in this year. That's what yep. I'm going to do. Yep. So you start doing the overnight. You, you were, were you only supposed to do it for a like a year? Okay, that so I'm glad that you brought that up. So okay. originally speaking, it was one day a week, two-hour show. That is nothing, dude. I mean, that is absolutely nothing when you think about the grand sphere of a host doing a show on that radio station. So sure. I knew I was at least working my way in decent graces when they started giving me longer shows or they started giving me more and additional fill-in work where it's like, all right, Tony Page took off. JJ, here's a couple of shifts. Mark Melissa's took off. All right, JJ, here's a couple of shifts. And I was like, all right, I'm making the most of this. So after a year, they're yeah. like, look, we don't have anything for you full time right now, but we have a good amount of filling work. And dude, it was I was like, OK, I'm, I'm super young. Uh, I can I can make this work. If I was 35, I, I don't know if I would have been able to make it work, sure. but it was perfect timing. And it allowed me to keep grinding, keep progressing and keep working my way up through that broadcasting ladder. Uh, what were some of the insecurities for you coming up at that age at that station you know for me it was far more about the audience than it was the guys that i worked with because to me it was very simple the guys that i work with who i have great relationships when now they're gonna see the minute i do a show he knows what the f he's doing you know what i mean i was i guess a little bit more worried about all right you got like the 70 year old yank and i i consider myself a good historian like i i think yeah. i have a good basis of knowledge and whatnot but, you know, when you got the guy, oh, back in my day in 1955, this, yeah. I was more worried about that. And I was like, OK, I'm going to show these guys I know what I'm talking about. So that to me, as far as like insecurity, that was the biggest thing for me. I wanted to portray to the audience, not in like an over the top type of way, but I wanted to portray, hey, guess what? I know my stuff. Because that's definitely something I think as young hosts that you definitely kind of worry about, you know, just think, you know, we look at like I watch like Mad Dog. On first take, he's going back to like the yeah, and I think 40s. there's a fine line with that, Steve, too, sure. because like, listen, I don't expect a host in podcast and television and radio who's 35 years old to be able to recite the 1935 Yankee lineup. But <laughs> you better. Uh, but here's here's you need to have a baseline of fact. 
Like you need to know that Reggie Jackson hit three home runs in 1977. If you're working in New York, sure. you yep. need to know that Mookie Wilson hit the ball through Bill Buckner's legs. What you need to know about Charles Smith, you need to know about the Ewing miss finger roll or like little nuances that are major significant moments Impactful within moments. your city. Yep. If I went to a different city and I actually interviewed for a job in Boston, never really considered it, but I interviewed for a job. Can you in Boston. imagine? Oh my God. Well, it would have been, you know, what would have been interesting is I would have been a bad guy for better or worse for three or four hours. And you know, a lot of the audience would hate me. It wouldn't be uh, the most pleasurable experience at times, but by that point in my career, I had already established myself where I was on the up and up at FAN yep. and I was doing television. So the fact that I had like multiple hands and multiple cookie jars, I was like, all right, at this point in my career, I'm, uh, I'm staying right where I'm at. What do you miss most about being on live radio? Um, the people I work with, number one, the people I work with, because my biggest fear, Steve, in taking this new job was that I was going to miss the color interaction. I have been able with these Spotify live shows that we do, and they are a little more unfiltered than what we had on the FCC terrestrial radio dial. Yeah. Uh, so you have some callers who might even go above and beyond and what I just did a few minutes ago. But you um, love that. You, oh, love, I like, do. The, you are such an old it's soul. Unfiltered. Yeah. Now, I don't want anybody saying anything that's no, offensive. No. But you know what? If you want to go and be like, this guy blank and sucks, be my guest. I don't care. Like, that's raw. That's what yeah. I would expect to hear. You know, if you leave in Yankee Stadium and Joey Gallo strikes out with the bases loaded with two outs in the ninth inning. What do you think you're hearing at Billy's or stands or walking to the four train? Right. So that element was my biggest fear. I've brought a lot of my old callers have, have followed my path because they're believers in me. Mm. Uh, I've stayed in contact and in touch with many others, which is kind of funny on a, on a different front. But I would say like, as far as what do I miss about my old job the most, it's, you know, it's the idea of not seeing people that I've, gotten very close with on an everyday basis. This was interesting because I have this theory about you. I, I like Mike Francesa uh, grew to really like you. Like he really, yeah. Uh, don't ask why. But yeah, that's not, not like he knows. We know why, but he really praised you. And I'm thinking to myself, if I was you and I got this high of compliment from someone like Francesa, did this make you maybe think I'm better than, and how do I say this? Obviously you were great. But a lot of people felt like, hey, you shouldn't be on at, at this time. We should have you more in prime time. Did Francesa's confidence in you give you a little bit of like, hey, like, I, I think that I need to start moving to this area? Or, or did this lead maybe to the ringer thing? I would say what Mike did for my career is he kind of heightened my platform, if that makes sense, Steve. Because sure. I was a guy who was working at the radio station for a while. I had already started to make my mark working at SNY well before Mike really started taking a liking to me. But I'll never forget, I get a text from him right after he came back. He's like, I want you in studio. And I'm like, what? It's kind of weird. Did an hour with him, unfiltered, no commercials. And it was electric. Like the feedback I got, just the response I Dude, got. Dude, I think was I remember. Notch. I think I listened to that. Oh, it was, it was an, it's one of the coolest moments in my career. I mean, the idea that I could sit there with a guy that I listened to for 20 plus years growing up and just basically go back and forth with him. Now, when you, when you talk with Mike, you got to make sure you get your words in because otherwise, if you don't, 100%. you're never going to get a word in. <laughs> but um, that's just the way it goes. It was one of those things that it kind of organically coincided with me moving up through the ranks. But listen, Steve whether it's Mike, whether it's whoever, you reach a point in your broadcasting career where you say, yeah, what's next, dude? Like, mm. you, you, to me, if, if you have a position that is stale, 
not that I was in a stale spot, but like you want to keep growing. And if you don't like, yeah, like did I think like by 2019 that I was and this is no way trying to demean working on the overnight. I loved working on the overnight. I know I you did. Time Everyone that listens to you know that you took so much pride in oh, that. Oh, dude, I approached listen, I approached the overnight show, and I'm not just saying this to BS. This is the God's honest truth. When I signed on at two or three or one o'clock in the morning, I approached it like it was three in the afternoon. I of course wanted to move up. I mean, you get to a point. I'm working, you know, I think about the last year I did full-time overnight, Steve. Before COVID, I was working one to five or one to six. I'd get about five hours sleep. I'd wake up at one o'clock. I'd have to eat something quick. And then I'd have to go into SNY, do an old show called The Thread. And I was doing that three or four days a week. That wears on you, dude. And I love the hustle. I embrace the hustle. But it comes to a point, dude, where you want, and I don't care who you are, a serious work-life balance where you can do a lot of different things, but actually be a human being at the same time. I guess the last thing on FAM, were you disappointed the way that it ended? Uh, not really. Uh, look, I think it's well documented what happened with me at the end of 2019, where, you know, I think some people thought I was going to move to a certain position. Let's just say I didn't think the position was right for me mm. with the way it was going to be set up. I think anybody who would now look after the fact, Steve, would tell you if I made a wrong decision. I, I would love for anybody to go and look and say, oh, JJ, you got that one wrong. Or you really, you really miscalculated there. I believe in my talent. The idea that I wanted to work by myself was nonsense. I know that was written about. That's just totally not the truth. I just, I needed a show I could believe in. I needed a show I knew I was going to be able to be myself. I didn't think that was the situation for me. Everything happens for a reason. Craig comes back. He's doing fine in the afternoons with Evan. I wasn't actively looking to leave. I said, hey, they moved me up tonight. I'll work at night, but, but not even the overnight. I mean, I'm in the evenings now. Sure. I wasn't exactly sending my resumes to indeed.com where I was posting <laughs> them up on LinkedIn. <laughs> I was, I was very content where I was at. And yep. I said, we'll see what the future holds. The future came a calling a little sooner than I thought. So how did this come about with Bill Simmons? When did he reach out? Did he personally reach out? Did you hear from one of his reps? How did this happen? Uh, personally, Ooh. personally. So I'm getting ready to, to sign on after a Thursday night football game. So all of a sudden I go on my phone. It was like charging. Bill Simmons started following you on Twitter. I'm like, what is, what is this, man? I was like, that's kind of cool. Cause I loved him and cousin Sal. I always was a big fan, even though he has a flawed sports perspective, but you know, I was always <laughs> a big fan. So I see that I DM him. I go, Bill, I appreciate the follow. Big fan. Appreciate so you DM him first. Yes, I did. Yes, I okay. did. So then I immediately get here back. JJ, appreciate it. Want to get you on the phone to talk about some career stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we chat for an hour the following day. And Steve, it was awesome. Like, I felt like I was in the Guest the Lines podcast. And <laughs> I was just taking Cousin uh. Sal's place for a weekend. And he kind of mentioned vaguely what the idea was. But I'm such a believer in what he's done. I think he is so an I. absolute genius. He's yep. self-made. He, 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 you know, he's one of these guys that kind of made his mark, made his mark a variety of different ways at the worldwide leader. And then basically left. And, and you know what? He's empire. not afraid to try different things too. Even though I know the HBO show didn't work out. Bill Simmons is, he is an entrepreneur and that's why I like him. He is able to take those risks or whatever. And listen, a lot of them have worked out, but I like that he's had, and not just with everything, right? Like you're, you're going to go through certain things in this industry specifically where it's not going to work out and that's okay. And there are certain guys that you like 
believe in. After talking to him for an hour, Steve, it was like, it's like getting the motivational speech from, I don't know, Spolstra. Nick Saban or, or Spolstra or Bill Belichick, where I was like, I want to run through a brick wall for this guy. You know, yeah. like, and I even told my then girlfriend, now fiance at the time, I said, look, if this guy offers me a job and financially it's worth my while, sure. I'm gone. I went on his pod and then the following week he was like, I really want to make this happen. So basically, dude, I knew end of December and I didn't leave FAN until end of March. I knew for like three or four months. And and I thought I was super professional about it. Like, I don't think you could listen back in January and February and be like, JJ, I want foot out the door because that's just not how I roll. I'm all in in anything that I do. But basically, long story short, it was three months. And I was like, all right, let's get New York, New York up and running, baby. Awesome. And it's a fantastic podcast. If you haven't checked it out already, New York, New York, Spotify, Apple, you can get it everywhere. Let's do some broadcasting advice. But, you know, when you're younger, like I'm constantly trying to get feedback. Like you mentioned Eric Spitz. I used to live in Eric Spitz's office when I interned for Mad Dog. What do you do at, at your, you know, you are, you are proven. How do you continue to get better? Do you send your stuff to your bosses at, at the ringer or do you talk to different people? How does that process to just keep sharpening the sword? It's a great question. And unfortunately, Steve, the more and more you work, the less and less you listen to yourself just because you don't have the time, dude. You're like constantly yeah. moving. Like when I used to do one or two shows a week, it was very easy. I could sit in the lab. I could listen. I had time. Now it's like, well, I'm on to the next show. I'm on to the next <laughs> appearance. For me, it's the idea of just listening to a little bit here, a little bit there. It's more, I'll be honest, Steve, more so from a television standpoint than a podcasting standpoint, because SNY does such a great job of posting like two and three minute clips, clips yep. that they're, per- they're perfect, where I'm like, eh, I, didn't li- I didn't like how I did this. I really liked how I did this. You know, maybe I'm repeating a certain crutch word or key phrase too often yep. that maybe I can only drop once in two or three minutes as opposed to three times in two or three minutes. But management is always going to keep you on your toes. And that's the great thing about the relationship with Bill and I. Bill listens. Like the idea that he is a hands-off boss. Yeah, he's really. He, and, and he's not, but he doesn't micromanage. And that's what I respect about him. He'll be like, I like that. What about this? What about that? We should maybe try to do this. Like ideas that kind of you think are more forward thinking that you kind of look at two, three, four weeks down the road and down the line. But as far as like improving myself, it's just for any young broadcaster out there, reps, reps, reps. The more you talk, the better you're going to get. I I got good because I did a lot of shows at Syracuse and then I did more and I did more and I did more. And it's a different art when you're by yourself. It's a little different when you're working with somebody, but it's, it, it's, all, it's all about a, a part of a process. And the other thing, Steve, that I think is super important that I want to definitely stress to the young broadcasters out there, be versatile, be versatile. And I kind of ended up learning this over time because when I was 21, 22, I was like, oh, radio, be all end all. That's, That's all it. I want to do. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I'm like, well, guess what? I want to make more money. I yeah. want to have more exposure. I want to have more opportunity. I need to get on television. Now, I, any job that I take, I want to be on TV. Like, But it's exposure too. Like the idea, Steve, that I'm on TV. Oh, let's listen to JJ's podcast. Or I'm listening to JJ's podcast. Oh, he's on SNY tonight. Like, I don't want to ever be like a one-trick broadcaster for the rest of my career. The importance of seeing the potential somewhere versus moving on from your current situation. 
How do you sort of decipher that? Because that is a question that I've gotten a couple of times. If you are at a place and it doesn't seem like stuff is moving, do you upstart and go somewhere else? Or do you, you know, do you wait just based on the potential of seeing something down the road? You know, I think it's a feel thing. I do. Um, and obviously opportunities are going to dictate a lot of that because I think about my situation. I was in a very good situation. A door opened unexpectedly that I didn't anticipate, sure. that I necessarily didn't see coming. And I, I think, Steve, when you get to those like fork in the road moments for anybody in their career, it might be, hey, I'm a full-time producer, but now I have an opportunity maybe to go to a smaller market and, and go and really work on the air. Is that something I want to do? You got a way. Is this the city I want to live in? Am I going to have the work-life balance that I'm looking for? Is it going to be worth my while financially and career-wise? Mm. Like I, I, I think it's a bunch of stuff that you go through your mind. Like I did. Like when I was leaving FAN, I'm like, hey, this is the only like radio workplace I've ever known. It's the only place I thought I ever wanted to work. But the opportunity came up, and I'm like, all right, I can work for an unbelievable boss. I can have something built entirely around me. I can make my own schedule. I can make my own hours. I get to do now. It's, it's funny how things work out full circle. Before I left, Steve, I was only doing television at SNY two days a week. So I was filling in a lot, but I was doing Saturday, Sunday, home from Zoom, yep. betting stuff, occasional baseball night in New York. Now, dude, I'm doing TV five nights a week, which, by the way, I would not be able to do with yep. my old schedule. Correct. So it, wow. it, it, it's, it just goes to show you everything happens for a reason. I do believe that. Um, I do think that there are times... You got to make the right choice, but everybody's quote unquote right choice is going to be different. And you got to yep. understand that. Your fellow Q's mate, uh, Noah Eagleon, good what friend of stud, mine. What a stud, by well. the way. What oh a my stud. God. What a Just stud. like you, by the way. Oh, come on. I mean, you see the, the uh, only difference is you don't have the Syracuse in your background. That's I know right, I don't. I know. That's, it's okay, though. That's Making all right. Now you, got South, now. now you got South Florida in you. So that, that means that's going to give you at least another 10 to 15 years on your life. And I notice you can't. <laughs> you're like tanned and tan, by the way. Come on. Tanned Thank and tan. you. I wish. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give me your best trait that you feel is most common with the best broadcasters. Great question. Passionate. Passionate. Mm. Why do I mean that? It's not the idea of faking it. I had Sam Rosen on my show yesterday. I think it comes across in such an obvious way, Steve, that he is a die hard, true blue New York Rangers fan that grew up with the team, that loves the team, that loves every minute of what he does every single day. And you can tell in his voice, you can tell in his inflection. And to me, you can't fake that. But the idea that you can connect that sort of honest, genuine feeling, yep. your word, great word, to the craft that they are doing, whether it's television, podcasting, radio, play-by-play, you'll know when you hear it. And I think you find the best of the best. They all have that within them. Big thanks to John Descremsky. What is that voice? I'm trying to put a finger on what he sounds like. He is different. He's unique and he's super talented. Host of the New York, New York podcast on the Ringer and Spotify. Make sure to check that out. Check him out on Twitter at John underscore Descremsky. And also myself at S-S-T-R-O-M underscore. Thanks everyone for listening to the Sports Talkers podcast. We'll talk to you next Thursday here on Barrett Sports Media. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.